0: Welcome to the Leadership Unscripted podcast presented by Hiring Strategies. The Leadership Unscripted podcast is your go-to source for all things people management oriented. In each episode, we discuss industry trends, problems, and more importantly, offer solutions. We are so happy you could join us. Well, welcome to Leadership Unscripted. I'm Kim Laifson, your host, as well as the founder and workforce strategist for Hiring Strategies. Leadership Unscripted really is unscripted. We want to answer your questions about the topic. We want this discussion to be guided by you. So please enter your questions and comments and thoughts and ideas into the chat box as we go along. I am very excited about our topic today, how workplace culture and leadership are directly impacting physical and mental health and how the state of physical and mental health is impacting workplaces and employers and communities and families, and of course, individuals. I actually ran across an article um, this week, a Forbes article written by Dr. Tracy Bauer that spoke directly to this topic. And I was shocked to read a lot of this article actually but there were two things that really um, stuck with me in particular. The first one is 70% of people say that their manager has more impact on their mental health than their therapist or their doctor. And here's the kicker, and equal to the impact of their partner, wow that really blew me away. I mean, it makes sense because we are with our bosses and our teams more than we're typically with our partners. But I, I, that for some reason that just really struck a chord for me. Um, And 71% say that stress at work negatively affects their home life. So those of you that know me and have heard me speak before probably know my story. I grew up with a father who hated his job. And I knew he hated his job. And although he worked 16 hour days, six days a week, that man's work ethic is impeccable regardless. Um, and, and there's a clue there, right? Anyway, what employer would allow someone to work six hours a day or 16 hours a day, six days a week? So when he was home, he was miserable, which meant that we were walking work- on eggshells. And it really left my mom to hold down the fort. And she was working part-time as well. And simply because they allowed those kind of hours, he wasn't around to parents. Now, don't get me wrong. He was very involved in my childhood. He was a band booster president all four years of high school. He um, was my uh, softball coach for four years. It wasn't that he wasn't there for me. It's that he wasn't there for the day-to-day stuff. He wasn't there for those um, deep conversations. He wasn't there for um, when things got really stressful at home, right? Except for that common, wait till your dad gets home, fear of those days, right? (laughs) I tell you this because this was not, nor is it still, unique to my family. The stress that's imposed upon by work and employers It trickles down to family and kids and communities. And it creates this cycle of mental health challenges that ultimately are ending up back in the lap of employers. I don't think, I think that's the piece that's missing here. My clients are reporting more demand for mental health services than ever before, their sick leave banks are being depleted at rapid paces. Um, Dr. Tracy Bauer in this article says that 78% of employees say stress is negatively impacting their work performance, which means lower productivity. And 35% of leaders are taking on more of the burden and reporting being stressed themselves. 42% of those leaders that are taking on more of that burden are saying that it's self-imposed, meaning they're feeling the pressure to perform, and the buck stops with them, so they really have no choice. So the good news is, the flip side to this is that Dr. Tracy Bauer says that when people have positive mental health, 63% report they're committed to their work, and 80% say they're energized by their work. So it's almost like just that simple flip of the switch mentality has such a drastic impact. So All of that background and information to introduce you to our guest today, Dr. Adiola Mead. Dr. Mead is a physician, a consultant, and a coach that runs Vitality Team Workplace Wellness, where she identifies and comprehensively addresses the root causes and issues underlying individual and organizational health concerns. So welcome, Dr. Mead. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. Please start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your background and why this topic is important to you.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Kim. Um, I'm really happy to be here to talk about this topic because it has a personal, you know, impact for me. I also grew up in a home with very hardworking parents. My dad in particular was self-employed and that meant there was a lot of pressure on him. And sometimes that would show up in, you know, the way that we related as a family. And he was away a lot, traveling a lot. He was an author, so he wrote books. So a lot of his time was um, just directed towards Breadwinning, breadwinning and um, there were a lot of frustrations in dealing with you know work issues and concerns that kind of trickle down so I remember that as a, a memory growing up as well again not a unique experience and always wanted to be a physician that was just my number one goal and plan in life and found naturopathic medicine as a great um sort of way to express my my lineage and my desire to be a healer and a physician and doing so in ways that are comprehensive using natural medicine um, and have worked in the San Francisco Bay Area, in Vancouver, BC, here in Seattle, so places where there's lots of tech, lots of high stress people um, and have just found over the years that high stress Often related to work, leads to lots of inflammation in the body, um, in the brain, and mood issues. And then chron- from that, chronic stress, chronic inflammation, and chronic disease. So I see a lot of um, burnout in my practice, and mostly like the mental and physical effects of burnout, not just the I'm tired, I don't really want to go to work today, I'm not getting along with my boss. It's more like I have sciatica, I um, am deeply depressed and it's related to to my work and some of the dynamics around that, or I am exhausted in ways I can't even explain. And it's not just something that a vacation fixes. So um, that's that's my background is figuring out root causes and, and treating them comprehensively and naturally.
0: Awesome. Have you noticed, I'm curious over the last, you know, since the pandemic, it seems like the pandemic really fueled a fire um, when it comes to mental health, when it comes to physical health, because we all know that mental health leads to physical health um, um or lack of, right? Right. Um, what have you seen specifically over the last three years? What's different? Is there something different than before the pandemic or is it likely, is it the same?
1: It's definitely different. People have had a chance to reevaluate what's working for them, what's not working for them. Um, working from home or working in a hybrid scenario has made it so that people um, can reflect on whether working in office with certain leadership or co-workers is beneficial to their mental health, physical health or not. And when they realize that they have been on sort of a conveyor belt of of stress and high workloads and um, maybe toxic culture, you know, they decided they wanted to do something about it and started to demand more support in the workplace and more flexibility, um, more empathy, and more of a focus on well-being. So there's definitely be a, been a shift. And also when you stop, you realize how, how tired you are and how, how unsustainable the pace that you were working at is um and then you have a choice to make so a lot of people are disengaging to a certain extent and realizing or what they call quiet quitting like I can only do so much and still maintain my mental health so people are starting to become disengaged especially when leaders are are not listening or you know want things to go back to normal come back to the office come back and um make things the way they were before but you can't recreate the past, you know, everything is moving forward. You can't undo three years of a pandemic and the realizations that have come from it. So everyone really does need to adjust and find uh, a happy middle ground where everyone can thrive in the workplace.
0: Yeah. You said something about, you know, exhaustion and it not being just something that a vacation will fix. You know, we were talking about, I was talking with some colleagues, about being tired and how it doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem like the amount of hours of sleep that we get is not solving the exhaustion problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, I'm not a medical professional, I'm not a psychologist, I don't pretend to be, don't even pretend to be one on TV. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that it's more of a, it's a deeper soul piece exhaustion. You know, like we need that peace. There's there's so much going on and we're all overwhelmed. And um it's it's how do we find that that center again, if you will? Um talk to me about the sorts of things you're seeing in your practice from a health standpoint um that are new or different post-pandemic.
1: Yeah that's a good question. like I said, exhaustion Mm
0: -hmm. is a
1: big one. Um, But in a different way, that sort of like, deep, deep, I don't know what I'm doing with my life sort of exhaustion. Like before it was just that I'm busy, I need to keep going and stay vital and maintain my lifestyle, because you never questioned it. This is just what you do. This is how it goes. But now people have realized, like, oh, my goodness, this is beyond just continuing. Why am I doing this? Is it is it serving me? Does it, you know, measure up with my, with my values? So people are asking more questions. I think I'm wanting to live a little bit more intentionally because they've had a chance to reflect. Um, so there's a lot of that, a lot of like anxiety and depression from realizing that the pace is, is not sustainable. And we have to remember too, that a lot of people are dealing, not just with work, but home lives and lives as, as global citizens that are very stressful right now both domestically and internationally there's like no end of things to worry about and that weighs heavily on a lot of people um, in different demographics you know and and how they identify with different communities they're in and those are things that you just don't leave at home that comes with you that comes to work it comes to every interaction you have with anyone at work um, or anyone that you serve as um as a client. So I think there's just a lot more awareness of the burdens that people have been carrying and a desire to to change in ways that um, were not a priority before. So
0: how are you tackling this now? What was your what's been your response to this other than, you know, helping them deal with the symptoms and solve these problems? What else have you what are you doing?
1: I'm advocating very strongly for self-care and for revitalization of self-care. Like, what does that really look like? Um, And how can you make it sustainable and consistent? It's not, uh, I'll take a vacation in six weeks. It's not, I'll get my nails done on the weekend. It's not, I'll sleep when I'm dead. (laughs) That's not Um, (laughs) self-care. So it's more like because that's a lot of what our culture has been. It's just like go, 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 go until you are absolutely out of resources and now you have to like scrape yourself off the floor. Right. Um, so I'm advocating more for like daily doses of well-being practices. And that can be as simple as making sure you get breakfast, even if you don't yeah. make breakfast, making sure it's nutritious and nutrient dense so that you're fueled for the day, making sure you get enough rest. And that might mean like a phone fast and turning off your phone, putting it on airplane mode from six o'clock, seven o'clock and not turning it on for 12 hours or 14 hours so that you can take off of that, you know, take off some of the many layers of stresses that we have. Cause we're always on edge I feel like as a culture and like you're always attached to something and waiting for another shoe to drop or another communication to come in like you just never have time to rest
0: and I think we have to be okay with I think the flip side to that is there are going to be people that are upset that you didn't respond right away there are going to be things that don't get done Mm -hmm. there are going to be things that slip through the cracks There are going to be those things, but as a society, I think the piece that we have to come to grips with is those things need to occur if we want to continue on being productive, healthy, contributing members of society. Um, but I think that's the hard part. I think the hard part is people don't want those consequences. They want both. They want the, they want that downtime, but they don't want things to slip through the cracks. They don't want people to be disappointed in them. They don't want, you know, um, uh, to, to put out that particular customer or client, um, for sure. So I think we have to make that that connection and have a discussion about that. Are your, is that part of what you're talking about?
1: Absolutely. Is just helping people step back for a second to pause and step back and realize that the way things have been going is not sustainable. Like we can't continue this way and that it's okay to, like you're saying, let some things slip through the cracks and just reprioritize, right? Let's just, start with rocks and not with gravel, right? Let's start with boulders and rocks and not with gravel. And um, the boulders and rocks are really uh, investing in your own capacity, right? As an individual. So that means Getting sleep, making sure it's restful sleep, being well hydrated, making sure you're having a nutrient-dense diet. It means exercising. It means meditation and mindfulness. It means community and intentionally building community that's supportive and understanding. It means learning how to communicate in a way that is um, both beneficial for you. So, you know, your own self-talk, a lot of mental health is rooted in negative self-talk right? And believing lies about ourselves that maybe we were told or we assumed and just kind of reparenting ourselves in certain ways. And um, yeah, taking responsibility for the way we, we think and which thoughts we believe and um, how we act on those and how we process emotions and act. So all those things and practicing um, those types of self-care, invest in your bank of capacity. So now if I'm well rested and hydrated, if I say nice things to myself, it spills out into how I interact with other people. It means that when I sit down to work, I'm not thinking of the millions of things that I haven't done. My mind isn't racing. I'm not hungry. I'm not in pain because I've taken good care of myself. So now I can really sit down and focus. I can get a lot more done in a shorter amount of time without stress.
0: And I also think we forget sometimes that the brain needs that downtime to solidify information and to be innovative. I was reading something else last week about, you know, we need the space to do nothing yeah. in order to innovate. Yeah. And we wonder why in the last 10 to 15 years we've got classes on how to innovate. We're focusing on innovation. We're, well, we never had to do that before. Right. Because it was happening naturally because we were giving ourselves that space. And I think not having that space anymore, we're seeing the impacts of that in so many different ways. Okay. Um, I do want to stop for a second and invite people, if you are listening and you have questions or comments or ideas or thoughts, please go ahead and put those into the chat box. We want to answer those questions for you and, and fuel this discussion. So um, we we invite you to participate. Um, I also want to flip, we've been talking a lot about the individual and that self-care and how important that is. I want to flip for a second and start talking about employers because that really is um, our mental health, our physical health affects employers and our employers are affecting our physical and mental health. There's a relationship there that I think we're forgetting about. And so talk to me about Vitaly Team Workplace Wellness, and what you're doing inside organizations
1: to talk about this topic? Sure. So um, the most important thing I think an employer can do to improve the well-being of their team is to start listening, Mm -hmm. to ask questions, and then um, receive feedback in a neutral way, right? Because if you want to improve the employee experience, you need to learn exactly what that is. I think a lot of times, especially in the past and leading up to the pandemic and, and often now too, I think leaders sh- leaders are often shy, nervous, or kind of unwilling to hear the, the, the truth, the raw truth about how people are experiencing the culture that the organization has created. Because then if you know something, then you might have to do something and it might not be something that you're willing or able to do. But I think um, leaders really need to take that initiative to start asking questions and to start listening and to be ready to act on the feedback that they're receiving. Um, That's a lot of what we do is just providing anonymous surveys. And it might sound very simple, but when you have an anonymous survey, then people feel like they can be honest. And when it's not coming from internal HR and not coming from the CEO, then they feel a little bit more open um, because otherwise they might fear retaliation. They might, well, they'll know that this is me. And then, you know, things might happen at work that I don't really want to happen. I can't really be honest. So we as a third party provide um, sort of curated surveys to learn what leadership really wants to know, but then also give team members an opportunity to share more widely, right? So it's not just a check the box. It's more like, what are some of your big obstacles to work-life balance? And people say things like, it's my manager. Mm-hmm. my relationship with my manager or it's childcare or right. it's my own pressures on myself to be you know a hundred percent up a hundred percent of the time right yeah. so then you start to learn more about the personalities on your team and ways that you can um, support people's individuals because that's another thing we're seeing is that there's no one-size-fits-all well-being initiative Right. Some people are going to gravitate towards having a stipend so that they can use resources for whatever they want. Some people are going to want more connection on the team to do things together based on topics that they've already indicated are of interest to in them. Some people really want just one-on-one care and consultation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Apart from the rest of the team, but whichever level people choose to engage is beneficial for the entire team team and it's beneficial for culture because then they know that leadership cares about them right they're listening they're acting and they're kind of putting where their money where their mouth is and then you get a really I, I think positive um, return on investment on on so many different levels because now people are coming in engaged they're um, being more productive because they've gotten one-to-one coaching on how to better prioritize rest and creativity take care of mental and physical health Um, or they you know connected as a team more or you know they've they finally had some resources to get you know well-being you know I don't know, tools that they didn't have before or care that they didn't have before. But either way, the return on investment is huge because people are being heard and feeling valued.
0: Yeah. And I think the other, the disconnect for employers is they don't, they aren't necessarily going to see on their p a direct correlation to wellness and profit. But I think what you will see is when you're doing that, that wellness, when you're providing wellness, when you're just listening, right? It doesn't even take investing in anything significant. It's just the care and the concern, I think. And there's lots of research that supports this. Um, But employers aren't seeking out that research. They just don't know because they're too busy focused on their their product or their service, as they should be. But right. that's why this discussion and education, I think, is so important for employers to understand that um, there is a connection. What are you seeing, from your perspective, what are you seeing in organizations, um, what are you seeing organizations do? What are some of the things that they're doing to, uh, besides just listening and and caring, um, to increase employee wellness
1: yeah um bringing in I'd say outside training personal development um well-being you know topics that are of interest so sometimes it's nutrition bringing nutritionists in and talking about you know meal planning and um or bringing in someone to do like a, a sound bath you know or a meditation mm-hmm. or leave yoga or Pilates or um talk about um different ways like I've been doing lots of speaking on self-care and how to implement self-care so I think those are some things that are really helpful it's just starting to bring in services and have well-being have a space and in as part of the organizational culture right so it's not just something that happens once a quarter or when people get very um Tired and sick and Turner Rose High and you know there's no one here because everyone is sick, but doing that a little bit more proactively I think has been a good trend that I'm noticing. sorry to be you Yeah, I want to reiterate
0: the asking, right? What is it that um I, I appreciate the examples, but I do think it is important, like you said, to ask. Yeah, um, I I heard about an organization that um, couldn't figure out what it was that was going on and it happened to be transportation. Yeah. Their employees simply didn't have the, their lack of transportation to get to work. Yeah. And so they solved that problem and their productivity increased exponentially. Yeah. So it's just asking. It's just reaching out and building that relationship with your team to know what are the things that you're interested in or that you need to be a full, productive, whole human being? Right. Um, I think those are the questions that we
1: need to be asking. Yeah. And I think those are questions you ask on a human level. I think sometimes oh. when we go to work, you forget that, you know, I'm not just your boss. You're not just an employee here. I'm a human being having a human experience. I have good days. I have bad days. You have good days. You have bad days. And I think if we can just Remember that and stay humble, really, and just recognize the dignity of the other person, and you know, have them recognize our own. Then we can to stop for a second and connect one to one on a human level. That's another thing that's helpful. Is just having leadership connect with team members all the time, because we're we're pack animals, right? Like we thrive in community, and if especially people who are just starting in the careers. Um, you know, a lot of people just came into the workforce during the pandemic and they get a new job and they never go into an office and they never see anyone. Like that is a very destabilizing experience. You feel so alone. And if you're spending most of your time on these projects for this organization and you feel disconnected, it's really hard to stay motivated to be very productive if you don't have that anchor person or persons that you can build relationships with. So I think a lot of it is building relationships, communicating, communicating, um, and just remembering that we're all human, right? And trusting that the people that you've hired want to do a good job, right? So like, you have to assume that you're hiring people who, who care to have this job and to, you know, contribute to the organization. Right, which is really a whole different mentality than
0: work has been in the past. Um, you know, it's really been transactional. Uh, you come to work, do the job, I'll give you a paycheck. We're good. Right. Right. Whereas I think, um, more successful progressive where we're at now as a society is we really want organizations and people to grow together. And so that we need to change that focus. What are you seeing, um, from the perspective of leaders' perspectives, yes. what's changed? Has anything changed from before the pandemic to now?
1: I'd say leaders are extremely stressed. <laughs> I think yeah. things have yeah. like you were saying in that article, that a lot of leaders are just taking a lot on themselves because maybe they don't have the skills to rally and galvanize a team around a value. And yeah. they're they don't have the skill set yet to to be effective managers and leaders so they just see a task that needs to be done maybe they haven't learned how to communicate effectively or to delegate effectively or to build relationship or to listen effectively all those things that are foundational for leadership you know maybe they're just very very good at their job but now they're in a leadership position but they haven't been trained in leadership skills and coaching skills and all those things that require managing people and now their workload is tremendous Um, and they're so stressed trying to get it done and you know they have supervisors and managers you know that they have to report to now they're getting it from both sides right yeah Um, so I'd say there's a lot of stress in, in leadership and that they're needing a lot of leadership development in different ways and a focus on their well being as well. Because I know we all have the experience of either having a boss or knowing someone who has a boss who is not well in a lot of different ways. And it's not something that you can kind of keep to yourself, right? Like if you are grumpy, if you're in pain, if you're dealing with a lot of stress, it's Impossible to hide that, and it comes out in the way you communicate with people, it comes out in your expectations of people. Um, and I think everyone suffers when a leader suffers, so it's really important to develop leaders in the context of well being,
0: yeah, which it creates that cycle, right? The cycle of the leader being stressed, overwhelmed, translates to the employees, translates to the families, and the kids, and the communities. And now we're back to you know leadership again. Um, it's it's because now the, those kids and the community members are going to work and they're, um, they're stressed and now the employers have to deal with all the employees being stressed and really it could have started with them. So yeah, I think leadership development is one of the big things that I'm seeing right now, organizations don't want to spend the money on, um, but it's so critical to to communities, to organizations, to families, to their place of employment. Again, at that cycle, I think we need to start making that connection much more clear. Um, Yeah, for sure. What's been the biggest aha for you in your learning about employee wellness?
1: Yeah, I think just recently, actually, I've learned that people want one-to-one individualized care (laughs) that it's very hard to get the care that we need in our like typical um healthcare system so even if someone has like an eap access with their organization they are i think typically grossly underutilized right so maybe three to four percent so even if people know that they have access to all these different services they they just don't use them Um, And recently did um, a project with an organization where we offered one-to-one coaching for everyone on the team. So people who were interested, and it was probably about 30% of the organization signed up for one-to-one coaching. And it was eye-opening because, you know, they would fill out an assessment that gave us a good idea of where they were by way of their well-being and then when we would meet we'd have lots to talk about like I've known it's saying this 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 and this here's tell me more about that right so there's always listening so people need to feel heard and to be seen. So giving people an opportunity to to express themselves and to share a, um, a bit of their struggles and then giving recommendations like talk to your doctor about this, this, and this. This is what we're seeing here. Or you're probably dealing with a lot of hypoglycemia. And that's why you are tired and grumpy in the afternoon. I think your blood sugar isn't well managed. Or um it sounds like you're not taking any breaks during the day. So you're crashing and exhausted and not able to function as well. So let's figure out how can we make it so that you can pause and prioritize rest with all those little, very individualized you know coaching points and consulting points make a huge difference for people and that's something that i wasn't necessarily expecting but i'm seeing that, that it's really valuable um because then you can go back and say oh my, my organization cares about me and here's some things that i can do now to improve my well-being and what do you do with your well-being you take it to work you know because <laughs> that's where you spend most of your time or you yeah. you spend it you lavish it on the people you love in your life and the people you spend your most time Time with. So that's something that has been surprising is that this um, there's this thirst for more um, individualized care, and even in the workplace, um, because I think our healthcare system can be really hard to navigate. And sometimes it could be something as simple as maybe someone says during a session, like, I'm having a hard time getting finding a therapist, which has been really, really difficult in the past few years, because therapists are... Dealing with their own overwhelm and burnout because of this mental health crisis that we've been having. And um, a lot of times people just don't know kind of where to go from there. So, you know, like we can figure out what your insurance carrier is, who is it like in your area that is, you know, available for the kind of care that you need, and give you just like a short list of people to contact. So, little you know, hacks to help people access care, I think makes a big difference because just imagine like you're dealing with exhaustion, anxiety and depression and you need help, you go to access the help no one will pick up your call. No one takes your insurance, or so it says they took your insurance and now they don't. You're exhausted, right? Already. But now yeah. to, to push through all those obstacles to receive care often doesn't happen for people. So then you just can, you can throw your hands up and give up. Um, so like, that's why I think it's really important to figure out what individuals need and then really just provide those resources. And often it's something really simple like that, but Having mm-hmm. someone who is in charge of well-being also makes a difference, too. Um, uh, right. It can't be the CEO, you know, and HR, for example, is has been overrun with well-being demands, I think, over the past several years. And it's not really human resources job to make sure that everyone reaches every high standard of well-being, right? There's, there's limitations, and as there should be. Um, but I think it's important to designate someone in charge of well-being in an organization. For
0: sure. Yeah. yeah. It's shocking to me that after offering that 30% accepted that, yeah. that assistance, um, that's, a lot. that's a lot. and um, And then what's the other percentage that wanted to, but was too embarrassed or didn't didn't feel comfortable reaching out and saying, yeah, no, I need help too. Because I do think there is a mental health, we also have a mental health um, stigma uh, in our country right now. And uh, it's not okay, especially for men. I would be interested to know what percentage of that was men or women, Mm -hmm. um, because I think men, don't want to reach out for mental uh, health
1: yeah for sure it was a much smaller percent I probably say of that 30 percent, probably three three to five percent were men who reached out for help Um, and that's you know kind of typical as well but I think over time and building trust everything's about building trust Right. So when people have someone who is in charge of well-being within an organization and other people have benefited from, you know, consulting with them or working with them, then eventually those who are initially hesitant might consider um, getting the kind of support that's been available to others. But it takes time. It takes building trust. Um, And then also having opportunities where as a group people can can learn can share can can grow Mm -hmm. so that you know some people feel very shy or hesitant to meet with someone one-on-one it's like a it's a lot of pressure but if there's a group opportunity then maybe they'll put a question in the chat room or raise their hand or pass one into the suggestion box so you just kind of have to meet people where they are um but i think absolutely just building trust, especially with men, because, you know, as a society, men are supposed to be strong and stoic and not have problems. But I see that men in general suffer more because men tend to lack community outside of work, Um, like just a, a basic social community. Women tend to be much better at having girlfriends and a sewing circle here a book club there you know a sister here uh and a co-worker there but we're um we tend to be good at building community and, and communicating um but men often are just not socialized that way and there's a lot of stigma to sharing um so i think men in particular need more support and to feel safer and and seeking help that they need and also just to, to be encouraged to build community right yeah. build a supportive community yeah. where you can be vulnerable and where you can share
0: and I think it's interesting you know just you saying that Dr. Mead you know men don't have community um as much <clears throat> they're not as good at the communicating and building those relationships and yet they're the ones running our organizations. They're the ones running our country. They're the ones. We have this network of women who know how to do these things well, and yet we're not putting them in leadership roles. I mean, that's starting to change, but we still have a long way to go. And so I think there's opportunity to recognize that. I think just bringing that up and having that discussion is a good one to have to make that connection women do these things naturally that men don't do naturally and so we need to promote those skills and utilize that that knowledge base and that those innate behaviors to create that in our organizations and our society so great great point
1: yeah and then just to remember that our you know our skill sets can work in harmony Oh, absolutely. And and should like my natural innate skills and um and strengths should be ways that I can serve the communities I'm in. So the more we promote women's natural strengths and skills and dovetail them with men's natural strengths and skills, the further we will go, right? But then just creating those safe spaces where um men feel like they they can grow in those skill sets, right? And not feel stigmatized um, because they're learning to communicate and they're building community and they're taking time for themselves. Um, A a lot of men just don't feel like that's allowed, you know, like it's not a priority. They should be busy doing things that make them look very, very productive and successful. And then also just um, redefining success in a lot of ways right like we push 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 so hard for financial success for power and there's those are not bad things in and of themselves but starting to redefine success as maybe a sense of peace a sense of freedom um community you know so many there's so many markers for success that we ignore that I think can should come to the forefront if we're going to build a society that is collaborative and healthy Right. Great segue into let's talk about some of those things that
0: we can do as employers that will increase wellness, which then in turn increases productivity, right? I think you're right that there are some things that um, we do that seem counterintuitive, right? Um, one of the things in the article from Dr. Dr. Brower, um, some of the solutions that they offer is to say no to too much work for yourself or your team. Mm -hmm. Um, Just saying no to work because we're overbooked or we're overfull creates space for more innovation, creates space for problem solving, creates space for, so instead uh, for that wellness, for that mental health, the physical health to flourish so that we can then take on more work or do something different. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the things that uh employers can do right now to positively impact the mental health of their
1: teams i would say promoting flexibility on in schedules right as much as you can it makes a big difference and especially if um workers have been have been remote and have been kind of you know encouraged strongly encouraged to come back to the workplace um that that can breed a lot of resentment and i'm not saying that you should sacrifice productivity to you know um to please different workers but just work together and figure out what what sort of schedule can help us be productive maintain a healthy culture and to build continue building relationships right and if that's a hybrid um asynchronous somewhat asynchronous um less meetings so many meetings can be emails right <laughs> and make the meetings um very focused purposeful efficient as much as possible you know just all those little ways that you are reflecting as a leader that you care about this individual person this team and you're listening so if it's flexibility i think that can be really helpful um again, listening to and having one-to-ones, I think make a big difference. So meeting people one-to-one and just checking in, not just on work and workload, even though that's really important, but again, making a human connection. How are you? How is your family? You know, did you just move here? Are you finding community? All of those things make a huge difference. They make a huge, huge difference. Um, So prioritizing connection, I think is really important prioritizing listening is really important Um, and then figuring out I think a lot of times well-being uh, resources are wasted you know like money is wasted and you don't get uh, your return on investment but you check the box oh we have an EAP it's working it's there Would people know the number for it so many times people call the number for an EAP and no one ever picks up you know some of these resources are being wasted so figuring out what your team needs and then strategizing to figure out how you, you can provide those needs in a way that really is cost effective and it, it is absolutely possible. Um so those are some of the things and also just leadership development. Yeah. I think it's 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 an invaluable investment to right. develop leaders um, in psychological safety, in communication, in just managerial duties of delegating and having healthy boundaries and and modeling. You know, when you're a leader, it means that people are watching you. They're following you. They're taking their cues from you. If you have a well-being initiative that's going on, make sure all the leaders are involved or as many are involved as much as possible. And I mean, not every leader is going to be involved in every single... Um, right. aspect of initiative, but there should be some representation because otherwise team members don't feel like they have permission to do it. It's like, oh my boss isn't there. Mm-hmm. So they're working, working, working. So I should probably be too. They feel like they're going to be um punished for yeah. you know taking advantage of resources resource that's been provided. So it sends a lot of mixed signals when leadership doesn't also model the well-being that they're telling um teammates to to take advantage of. So, setting healthy boundaries, saying no, um, all those things and eating your lunch away from your desk, you know, (laughs) sending a note saying, I'm away from my desk for the next couple of hours. I need a mental health break. I'm going to eat lunch, you know, contact me if you need to, but that's where I'm at. Like that gives everyone this unofficial permission to take time for themselves when they need it. It can be little things, but just normalizing um, self-care and normalizing communication feel like I'm going on <laughs> Looking at badges right
0: the badge of honor was to eat at your desk while you did your lunch like that's dedication that's commitment yeah no that's burnout <laughs> that is burnout. That, that is leading towards low productivity that is leading towards um them being out because they're sick or having a mental breakdown mm-hmm. we're we're we need to switch what we're rewarding and what Um, our language around what we're supporting. And I think that's what you're, what you're getting at.
1: Yeah. Also recognizing people's hard work. Like a lot of people are just like against all odds doing their absolute best and just don't get recognition. And I don't mean like a promotion every month or something like that. I mean, just saying, publicly so-and-so is doing an incredible job at this I'm so impressed and I'm really happy if you're part of our team let us know if there's anything we can do to support you further because you're crushing this you know like that makes you feel so good and it gives you a sense of belonging and then inspires others that when they're doing a great job they'll also be recognized in that way and it builds camaraderie on the team but little things like that make a huge difference a simple thank you
0: is, can go a really long way. There were a few other things in this article I want to touch on that, you know, people can take and do today. It's not hard. This isn't a huge investment of time and money. Um, Things like um, training others, delegating, empowering, and ensuring teamwork and coordination with others and groups, right? It's just that creating that that sense. Even you can do it remotely. There's a way to create collaboration in a remote environment. It is happening. It's it's You can do that. Yes. Um, recognizing, you mentioned this, recognizing people's impact, just saying thank you. One third of people say that their manager fails to recognize their own impact on others' well-being managers don't even understand the impact, which is why this conversation, I think is so important. They don't understand that what they're doing, the examples they're setting, the models they're setting, how that is impacting their organization. They're one person, but it's very, very impactful. Oh, yeah. um we should be emphasizing empathy because it has positive impacts on innovation, engagement, and retention. So just asking, people how they're doing and tune in when they seem out of sorts, right? Do they need support? Ask them, you know, what's going on and can you help? Another one is to connect people to those resources. A lot of these things you've already touched on, Dr. Mead, um, connecting people to the EAPs, to HR. Um, 70% of people said that they would like their manager to do more to support mental health. Mm-hmm. So ask your teams, is mental health something that um, they need and how can we offer that as um, bringing someone in once a week to just have conversations, right? Um, I think that's that would go a long way in a lot of organizations. They just need someone to connect with. Right. Um, another one is give people a reason to care. When people feel a connection to purpose and a bigger picture, they feel better about their work. Mm -hmm. So really spending time creating a purpose for your organization and and inspiring people to want to join in to um, be a part of that purpose. Um, and give them a clear sense of what success means for their job and how it connects to the work of their colleagues and customers. This is a big one that I deal with on a very regular basis. Um, A lot of times when people turn over, I'm finding that it's because there was a lack of communication about what was expected. Mm. Um, there was a miss, there's some miscommunication about what this job really is versus what I said it was. Right. Um, And so in the job descriptions, right? So being clear about that, uh, creating connections, you already talked about that, providing a challenge. People don't want to come in and just check boxes and go out. There are some people that want that kind of work and that's okay, but there are others that really want to challenge. They want to problem solve. Right. So let's give them that and an opportunity to learn and develop. Um, give people choices that being flexible, right? Autonomy, um, setting that expectation and then letting them decide how they get reach that expectation rather than giving them all the steps in the process and then the last one of course was take care of yourself as a leader right we started this conversation by saying there's this cycle and um leaders I don't think realize how important that is so they need to take care of themselves first it's the putting the mask on on the airplane right first you have to do it yourself before you can take care of your teams and your teams need you to take care of them. So um, uh, figuring out what you need to create that centering piece in yourself to not be exhausted so you can support the team. Yeah. Um, What else? What am I not covering, Dr. Mead, that you think is really important to this topic? If there was one message you wish all employers would take to heart, what would that be?
1: Just investing the well-being of your people is always a good choice. It's always going to be a good investment, and you'll always have a return on that investment. Um, And and making that a priority, I think, needs to be Shouted from the rooftops, right? Like we, it's it's sort of like um preventative health, right? Like you go in for your checkup every year, and for the most part, hopefully everything is healthy and normal. Maybe your doctor will give you some tips on staying healthy and normal. But if you don't go in, you know, for a long time, then you start to be afraid of what will happen if you do go in. Oh, it's been several years, and I haven't checked in. What if I have high cholesterol now? What if I'm dealing with you know, family issues that my the rest of my family have been dealing with. Now you're hesitant to ask for help, and you just never get that help. Then, but when you are consistently asking the right questions, listening, providing feedback, then you can maintain health in a sustainable way. So I'd say um, well-being is a, is an important investment, um, and figuring out very specifically what your team needs. And how to meet those individual needs in ways that are meaningful for them. Right. So I think that would be it listening. And just another side one when you're talking about like bringing someone in to have, you know, conversations and so people can feel heard. I think just creating safe spaces too. A lot of times um, in organizations, people don't feel comfortable sharing. So something simple as creating a safe space, whether it's led by um, a professional or not, where people can just share, share feedback and um, have a little bit of space where they can let their hair down and let down their burdens and um, share vulnerably, just a, a, a safe space and, and not just like a psychologically safe workspace, but just a safe space for for conversation, I think can go a really long way um and maybe one more <laughs> you asked for one now. i think i'm going to tell him this is um, great i think when you're talking about articulating values as a leader so that you know teammates can start to rally around that value and all and make the work very directional right a lot of times people feel like aimless what are we even doing why does it matter but once you can articulate and continue to re-articulate values, then people know what direction they're gonna be going in and then they can fall into the line. Um, But it doesn't always have to be a productivity value. It can be uh, a human value of, we provide this service or this product because we care for our local community, right? right? So if that is a value, then there are lots of ways to meet that goal so something like organizing volunteering or organizing donation drives and just making everything that you do as organization feed into that value I think reinforces that for all team members that this is a space that is value driven it's mission driven it's meaningful it goes beyond myself because people really want that they want to invest in experience, contribute to an experience that goes beyond themselves. I think we're, we're made for more than what we do every day and being in our little bubbles. So when you give people that perspective of what you're doing goes beyond you, it benefits this community, it benefits this cause, then it gives you a reason to wake up in the morning, If you, especially if you resonate, connect with that cause. So those are some... Some things I think,
0: think that's about. a great place to end this conversation because we're all looking for that reason to wake up in the morning, right? And I think um, not just your employees, but you as an individual, as a leader in an organization, um, if you have that reason to wake up in the morning, that's going to spill out into giving your employees a reason to wake up in the morning. So again, putting that mask on first taking care of yourself as a leader, um, will allow you to then take care of the people around you. So thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Mead. I appreciate this. This was a great, um, informational, um, conversation about just small things people can do. It doesn't have to be, again, this big comprehensive program, just do one thing. And and maybe that one thing is starting with yourself, right? Doing the self-care for yourself, um, setting boundaries, learning to set those boundaries. I think that's that's fantastic. Um, again, Dr. Mead is um, a doctor. Um, she takes care of individuals, also takes care of organizations. Please reach out to her um, if you want to ask questions or um, get some ideas. She's available. We're going to put her um, LinkedIn contact into the chat box for you. And um, Hiring Strategies is also here to support you with leadership development, with processes and systems to help you create a culture that's going to attract, engage, and keep top-performing people, and that includes wellness. So thank you again um, for being here. If you have any questions, please reach out. Dr. Mead, it was my pleasure, um, and I hope that we get to do this again soon.
1: Likewise, thank you for having me.
0: Have a wonderful rest of your day.
1: Thank you, you too.
0: Bye-bye.